Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 6, Episode 2, titled RuPaul's Big Opening, Part 2. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one debilitating co-host. I spelled that wrong. From the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please, open up your Rolodex of hate for Taylor the Latte Boy. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. You're a connoisseur of porn, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Go ahead. So I've noticed that my computer is slowing down. It's cancer. Because it's gotten older. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> and um, I, so I need to delete old files. Yeah. And I, I, I ha- how do you decide, how do you make the Sophie's choice with porn as to what ones to get rid of versus what ones to keep? You know, it's funny that you say that. You know who I actually learned this from? is mm-hmm. former co-host of the show Daniel Brewer. And I actually keep very little porn on my computer, if any. I keep, in fact, I keep none. It's all on flash drives. Okay. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, he kept his but he kept all his on flash he kept all of his porn on flash drives so that when he traveled, it his porn capabilities did not depend on the internet um <laughs> bandwidth of the hotel. So it's a genius idea. Except I don't have a laptop with me. So if I'm if I'm going to be wandering through a hotel lobby with my Mac under arm, then yeah. that you know I might as well just keep it on there. But I will have to remember that for future yeah. engagements, and so it, to speak. It, and I'll be honest with you, it's come in very handy. I've I've had that happen before. <laughs> Is that a pun? <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. It's come in very flashlighty. <laughs> and uh, because you know, like you know, sometimes the internet goes down for whatever reason. Like it doesn't matter. I have my flat. So a, does Blake Mitchell in some of the videos that you watch. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, though. It's funny that you say that because I actually had a tragic event happen to me last week. Okay. In that I took out, I have a flash drive that has all the dick pics that have been sent to me over the years. Uh, where was this information? Oh, I'm not sharing that with anybody. And, oh, well, I can't sucks. now because what happened was I. Um, my my computer said that thing like make sure and uh, eject the disk properly before you take it out or something. And I'm like yeah whatever. <laughs> you got what you needed out of it. And you just yanked it out. <laughs> yeah, it's been wiped clean. Oh no! They're all I mean Taylor years years of dick pics. Some beautiful ones are gone. They're gone forever. I I, I want to talk to uh, official. Uh, tech advisor of the show adam burns and see if maybe there's some like because you know i don't have i don't have any problem with adam burns i'll send him the flash drive if he can retrieve the information off there you know so you you will share with adam burns on the chance that he could get it but you won't share with your co-host nice okay noted noted well look i'll just take cameron's dick pics out of there Oh, yeah, I don't need to see that. Yeah, yeah. But now, actually, speaking of, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought Cameron up, Taylor. I, I, was, I didn't want to talk about Cameron. <laughs> Did I? Yeah, and now you Did dragged I? it out of me. So something happened today, and I want your advice on this. So over the weekend, I was just feeling a little... You know what happens is I wake up in the morning, and I, and I just want to love people, 
right? And so I send very nice text messages to people in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. that's, uh, have a good day to, you know, that kid that I mentor. You know, make, yeah. have a good job in school. Or sweet Michael will get, like, a sweet Snapchat. I'll send you one, too, if you want. Yeah, I was going to say, just, or I'm so glad I do Drag Race Recap with you. Well, oh, wait, I've never gotten that text message. But okay, that's that's fine. Because Whatever. I'm anticipating the um, the sigh. Well, here's the funny <laughs> It's easy with Sweet Michael because Sweet Michael and I, you have to understand, this is purely, it's almost like so meta, so postmodern. But you know those awful bitmojis that people send? Yeah. We send them only to, I don't I can't speak for him. I only send them to him because they're so funny how bad they are. And we try yeah. and outdo each other by saying each other like the corniest, worst one ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I often will send those things to him in the morning. So one morning on Sunday, I woke up. I'm like, you know what? And for those of you who are new to the show, I, a year ago, I broke up with my boyfriend named Cameron. And we haven't really sp- – in fact, I blocked him on all – any way you could get a hold of me, I blocked him. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know what? I'm going to unblock him. I'm just going to send a very nice text message. And I sent a text message that said something along the lines of, you know, a lot of the shows that we used to watch together have uh, been coming back. And, and that it's – I've been thinking a lot about you lately because of that, and uh, I just miss I miss our conversations. I miss shooting the breeze with you, and uh, just wanted you to know that. And you know, I kind of liken what we had to like a TV show that you really like, and it gets canceled. And as much as you would like to spend more time with Liz Lemon and the gang, there are no more <laughs> stories to tell, and you just have to rely yeah. on the reruns. You know, and uh, I hope everything's well. You know, from afar, Joe Batanz. And then I sent it, and I blocked him again. <laughs> right? Because so, we had a moment of maturity immediately followed <laughs> with a moment of immaturity. Excellent. So then I just go about my day. And I, I, I told Sweet Michael, but that was it. Not because it was shame, just because I didn't even think about it. And this morning, I wake up. And do you ever use this, the app Square Cash? No. It's like, it's I, like Venmo. Yeah. Okay. And I get the, I see I have two square cash payments from Cameron for a dollar. So I'm walking okay. around for the morning going like, oh, that's kind of cute. That's the one way he can still get a hold of me. And he was sending those dollars <laughs> to say like, hey, I got your message. And this is the way I'm saying I appreciate it. Right? I don't know. But then I go to clear the notifications and they have, you can put memos on them. And so he's using the memo to communicate with me. Okay, and he says, and actually, let me let me quote him word for word here. I took screenshots here. Um, You're being neither cute nor endearing. Leave me alone, you inconsiderate asshole. Okay, so now here's the thing: I will concede I am probably an asshole many times, but I think the one thing all my friends would say: I'm not inconsiderate, especially with Cameron. But what? Now, go ahead, Taylor. Yes, you have thoughts. No, I was going to say. And what was your reaction to that when you saw those? Okay. I know it sounds like a stupid question, yeah. but what, what what was your visceral reaction when you saw that? I was shaking. I was very sad. I immediately called Sweet Michael because for those of you listening again who aren't hip to the whole Cameron sock, I, I recommend episodes one through one forty nine of Catching Up to <laughs> uh, to catch up on that. But. Um, I called to Michael, who knows, who lived with Cameron for a time and knows Cameron very well, and to process it with him. 
and I was mm-hmm. very sad, and um, because I wasn't expecting that response, and that's actually that that response is actually uncharacteristic of Cameron. He doesn't usually get angry like that, which is weird. So what's funny is I had shared with Sweet Michael a few weeks ago that I was my in theory to me to me Cameron's the coolest person ever that he was just going about his life like Joe who I don't give a shit whatever I'm just you know fucking anything that walks you know I'm I'm cool I'm a guy you know I'm a cool guy mm-hmm. and Michael goes well now you have confirmation that uh, he doesn't he he, he that well, how did he put it but like you got confirmation that he. Uh, that you've that your relationship affected him, yeah, that and I is go, true. I go. It is a kind of painful validation of that. Now, here's the thing: that's that's pretty much the only. I content. was going to say that's the validation that a psychopath would want. Oh, I don't yes, want that, that is... but yeah, I don't want that. But I'm sad. But and I look, I'm going to respect his wishes, and I'm not going to contact him. I'm going to leave him alone, even if it is some sort of veiled like, no, really, con- I don't care. I'm just going to leave him alone, right? I should I should, I should have done that, and I recognize I shouldn't have done that, but. Um, yeah, I'm sad, and I'm and, and 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 I'm sad not because I do realize that his reaction says more about him than it does about me because I wasn't doing anything mean. But I'm sad that somebody that I care about has those feelings towards me, and so and I realize it's it's, it's a reaction to what I did wrong. I mean, my guess is that he's reacting that way and like fuck you, you inconsiderate asshole, that you send me a text message like that and then don't let me respond. Okay, but you could drive yourself nuts playing the game of if. Okay. You know, as far as the maybe he did this because I didn't allow him to respond. Maybe he did this because he genuinely had a visceral reaction to, and remembered everything that you guys had. You know, you, you could sit and just contemplate your navel for years. I know people. I have clients that do that. Mm-hmm. I had a client today that I said to him, something where i pretty much said we are in the same place we were two years ago yeah so what what is it at this point that is preventing you from getting to where you need to go and and you know he kind of talked about it and i was i was very blunt and very direct with him um but i mean you know this cameron has regardless of whatever the reason is cameron has stated to you he wants no more contact so whether that is a wait, wait, I was kidding, come back, whatever it is, you know, you 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 are a caring person, you are a sensitive person, you recognize that, you know, the best thing to do is to respect his wishes. As hard as that will be for you, that's the thing that, you know, for your own mental health, you need to do that. No, 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 no. And I want to state for the record, I have no interest in contacting him again. Which which is funny because remember I was operating under the assumption before that he didn't care. I thought in my head I would send that text message and he'd be like, oh, sweet, and move on with his day. So the fact that he does care so much makes me frightened to even engage. Like, no, I don't, that's, that's, I'm glad I blocked him. And so uh, I, I, I have no interest in engaging him. I, I'm just a little – and I shouldn't, it hasn't really affected my day. I've gotten my work done. I've only, I've only thought about it in that I knew I was going to talk about it today. Mm-hmm. But uh, it hasn't really affected my day. I'm a little, I'm a little sad. I guess the question I want to bring up with you: Have you ever been in that? Have you ever had a breakup like that, where uh, you and then the other person has some sort of anger towards you? Well, yeah. I mean, I've had breakups that have profoundly affected me. A guy, I, 
you know, my, we talk occasionally on Pod as my co-pilot about my last partner. And at one point, we just we lived together for like six months after we broke up because we were trying to decide what to do with this house. And it was where we were friendly with each other. But it was, you know, things were getting slowly more and more tense over time. And there was something where I had like an electric bill that I needed his half of the money on or something. And then yeah. that just snowballed into all of this stuff. And I remember at one point we were it was like it was the knockdown drag out that we needed to have because we had always been where we're above this and we're mature. Well, no, we needed to have where the screaming and yelling. And at one point he just stopped for a second, looked at me, and went, I hate you. <sighs> and it was like he shot me in the face. It, it was where I mean, I immediately burst into tears. And I remember thinking to myself, why would you say something like that? I have done nothing. I, I have gone out of my way to have it to where you, you know, where we can live together. And for you to say something like that, it really, it really affected me. So when you said that, that was kind of the first thing that went through my head. And the second thing was the guy that I was in love with all through high school, that I moved to Florida. I kind of chased him down here. And three weeks before graduation, we got into a huge fight and then he wouldn't talk to me. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I'm moving 1,200 miles away thinking I was going to have this friend that was going to be local. And now I know no one. It, it completely, it set me off for years of where I was not in a good place. Because also on top of that, I was still straight. Oh, you were? Wait, what? When did, well, okay, when did in my head, it was the, the friendship was just so important. You know, I was clearly in love with him, but I was not able to reconcile that that's what was going on. Yeah. It was just where I found this person that I wanted to be in my life. And while I was not strong enough at that point to admit it, I kind of knew it to myself, but I didn't really know it. And it because I didn't officially come out till I was like 19. But, Whoa. you know. That's still very young for our age, actually. Not anymore, though. No, 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 no. Like for old, our age, yeah. for our generation. Yeah. No. Well, then I was, I was very for. I, th- but I think that me moving away helped me to come out earlier, come out at nineteen, because I was supposed to go to a school. My mother wanted me to go to St. Joe's University in Philadelphia, which is a Jesuit Catholic college or university. She wanted me to go there, and I imagine had I gone there, I would have been one of those guys that was married, had the kids. But secretly, like, going to gay bars on the side or picking up, that kind of stuff. I, I always wonder what my life would have been like had that been the case. This week, seven more girls. <laughs> you are such an asshole. <laughs> this week, seven more girls walk into the workroom. The contestants take a photo shoot at a slumber party. And for the main stage challenge, dig into their boxes. Magnolia Crawford is a negative Nancy while Jocelyn Fox doesn't know what a quinceanera is. After the judges' critiques, Bianca Del Rio was named the winner of the challenge while Magnolia Crawford and Darian Lake were placed in the bottom two. After a lip-sync battle for their lives, Darian was granted another shot while Magnolia Crawford was asked to sashay away. Taylor, name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you didn't. Well, between the two halves of this season, I definitely like more contestants from this season. Um, obviously, there's Bianca, and we'll talk about some other ones. But so, so I enjoyed seeing this group more so than the first group that we saw mm-hmm. on last week's episode. Um, something else that I liked, I liked the I liked the challenge. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a fun challenge. It kind of stayed with the theme of the last one. So technically, they all kind of did the same challenge. They just did it on two on two different days. 
Um, the thing I did not like was I did not like the mini challenge with the pillow fights. I thought that a lot of the pictures were not really good as far as the feathers in the face. And many of the pictures just looked awkward. What about you? You know, I really liked actually the main stage challenge like you. I thought it was a really – it was simple, but it was good. Yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was super complicated. It was just – it was a simple challenge and, and, and it was good. Um, I, unlike you, though, liked the mini challenge. And we'll probably get into it more later when we talk about the mini challenge. But I actually mm-hmm. did like the mini challenge and that's why I differ from you. I didn't hate this mini challenge. What I didn't like, didn't like Bianca. Uh, sort of the a feeling that I had when I first watched season six um, were coming back in that I thought Bianca was trying too hard. It was a little much. I can see, I can see that with the with the trying too hard. She was just similar to Ben de la Creme. Maybe that's why she doesn't like Ben de la Creme as much because we talked we talked last episode about Ben de la Creme was being very trying too hard. And we don't like in others what we see in ourselves, mm-hmm. so maybe that's maybe that's where that comes from. Maybe. I would agree with you that the first couple of episodes, you know, while I eventually kind of like adore last last episode, while I come to like Bianca, mm-hmm. and there's again there is a pivotal moment that my opinion on her changes. The first couple of episodes in particular, where it's just nothing but whereas with adore last episode, it's all the weird slack jaw kind of dumb party girl. With Bianca, every time they show her, she's making side eye. She's doing side eye on somebody. So yeah. I would, I, I, yes, that's, I agree with that. Yeah. It, it's funny how I felt this, you know, I felt, uh, because I do, I, I do find Bianca, I do like Bianca very much as a drag queen now, but I, I, I'm just like, oh God, tone it down. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was my thing. After Kelly's elimination, the first group of girls walk back into the workroom to celebrate surviving another week. The party is short-lived, however, as RuPaul, in a face mask and hair curlers, interrupts the party. This is the beginning. Hey, ladies. I hate to break up a good time, but I've got company coming in the morning, darling. So shut your stinking pie holes and go to And then she does that epic Faye Dunaway and Mommy Dearest mm-hmm. like monster look. Oh, it's so good. It's it's so great. Uh, okay, now I forgot to write the script about this part, but I'm going to play the clip anyway. Which is wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes. I have a I have a question. Yeah. Okay. So you said on one of the previous seasons yeah. that she has a theme that she interlaces into each season. Yeah. So is the, the do we think that the theme for this one is Mommy Dearest? Because last episode, at one point, she did the, let's go. And now she's doing this. So is it? So we, should we be looking for Mommy Dearest moments throughout the season? It's tricky because she has said in her podcast that she tries to work in a Mommy Dearest reference every season. Mm-hmm. But she didn't do it season nine. Not that I picked up on. Okay, but uh, on previous, up, up even through season eight, she always had some sort of mommy dearest, an all stars. She had some sort of mommy dearest reference, right? And I mean, I know that you said that like her wigs. She often has a theme with the oh, wigs. Oh yeah, the, the theme she has with something the wigs. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll see more mommy dearest season than precast. We've had two so far. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna do the same thing we did uh, last time, which is we're gonna when we're gonna, at the entrances. We're gonna talk about the drag queen, but we're also gonna talk about their performance during the mini challenge. So here's RuPaul to talk about the mini challenge. Mike is here to shoot your slumber party photo shoot. 
You'll be posing in bed with all four members of the Scruff Pit Crew, supersized for your pleasure. Now you need to give us face and deliver a super sensuous pose, no matter what pops up or pops in. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, the first contestant walks in to the messy workroom. My name is Bianca Del Rio. I'm 37 years old. Am I the first one? Great. Drag queen who's early. That never fucking happened. I am an insult comic, just like Don Rickles. Looks like a party. But in a dress, and prettier and not as old. Perhaps they all went home after they heard that I was here. I feel it's my duty to show America that some queens have good teeth and good hair. All right, Taylor, your thoughts on possibly the most popular and famous drag queen to come out of this show, Bianca Del Rio, on her initial entrance. I love many things about you, Joe Batanz. But one thing that I do... No, 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 nothing bad. You have a ability to point out things to me that are obvious, but that I miss. Mm -hmm. And you talking about the trying too hard with this, this is a great example. Just listening to this audio-wise is a great example of trying too hard. Whether she's being fed those lines or the way that she is she is presenting them with, you know, oh, a drag queen that's early, that never fucking happens. And maybe they all heard I was here, which it it doesn't feel genuine Bianca. So I I, thank you for that. But but that is something where with this episode and a couple of episodes in – I'm not a fan of a lot of things that she says and the way she says them. Now, my husband watching it, he thought everything she said was funny. Yeah. But I don't think that he he just looks at her as, well, that's the Bianca that I love versus the Bianca that we – when we watched season six that we kind of got to know. You know, I, I think we've talked about this in other seasons. I don't remember why we talked about this. Maybe it was in, in, in terms of Bob the Drag Queen. But mm-hmm. I talked about how when I first started podcasting, my very first my very first podcasting experience was on my show that I have now. I think <laughs> I've talked to Mike in a while. <laughs> uh, catching up with Mike and Joe, and when, and when I first started doing Catching Up, I was Joe at eleven. You know, it was Joe. It was who I am. But it was a very asshole, uh, inconsiderate asshole version of me. Uh, trying to poke at Mike on purpose, and like it was extra. And even and we've talked about this on the show. Taylor couldn't stand me uh, in the early until I cried. That's what Taylor needs someone to cry. <laughs> uh, until I cried, it gives me an erection. I can't yeah. help it. <laughs> until I cried, Taylor didn't like me, and 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 so as much as I'm criticizing Bianca, I've seen it in myself where you're you're new to this and you don't know how to handle it, so you're you cubed. Yes. And by the way, it wasn't that you cried. It was that you showed your vulnerability. You showed you showed the chink in your armor. That wasn't racist. <laughs> Gia Gunn was last week, Taylor. <laughs> I know. And she's not even Chinese. Point, if I had thought of that last week, if we had figured out then you could have said, next up is Gia Gunn. But, <laughs> oh, well. Uh, no, and... Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. You so, were talking about Bianca being. Yeah, yeah. So, extra. like, it, 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 we know, I mean, we have the benefit of knowing that she becomes super lovable and super amazing as the season progresses, as she, as she becomes more comfortable in her skin. And, you know, this is also true, by the way, for people who you really love. And we saw this in season nine. For people that like, Valentina's a good example of this. Um, 
for people that you really, really like at first. And then once you do it for long enough, the real you comes out. Alexis Michelle from Season 9 is another good example here. Yeah. Where you can only hide it for so long. But in this pressure cooker situation, it, the real you comes out. Whether, it, whether it's the good side of you or the bad side of you. You know, I just... I don't know where I was, but I was reading... Um, an Oscar Wilde quote. And it was, if you want to see someone's true face, give them a mask. Okay. And I kind of feel that's true here too, is that they're going to put the mask on for a while, but eventually their real self, the the truest version of themselves comes out. And in this case, Bianca was trying to be amazing. So if Bianca in some ways is almost the anti Valentina, because whereas you saw where she was really beloved, Valentina was very beloved at first and then became very controversial. It almost feels like Bianca was very controversial at first, but then became very much loved, beloved. It's hard because B- Valentina is still technically beloved. But maybe Alexis Michelle is a better example. I feel like Alexis Michelle in the beginning was yeah. actually very likable. And then as the show progressed, you were like, Ugh. oh, my God. OK, we get it. Yeah. You know, so uh, and that's when her true control issues came out. Where I think Bianca, she got, she was able more comfortable to dial it back. Speaking of someone whose opinion changed, uh, next up, let's uh, let's let's hear it for Miss Trinity K. Bonet. I am Trinity K. Bonet. I am twenty-two years of age. Hi. Hi. Trinity is video fish. I'm about as close as you're gonna get to Beyonce. Okay, Taylor the Latte Boy. What were your thoughts on seeing Trinity K. Bonet walk into the workroom? Uh, she doesn't look like Beyonce, but... <laughs> no, she does not. <laughs> I forgot how much I liked her. I, there, there is something about her... Uh, there is something about her that is... You kind of... And I know that she has... We have, we'll talk about some stuff in later episodes about things that go on with her, but... There is something very much of where you kind of want to protect Trinity in some ways because you see you just kind of see her maybe it's hindsight is twenty twenty, but you just you kind of see her in a different light. I found it interesting how much it seemed like her and Bianca clashed heads considering what we know happens the rest of the season. But I, I liked her. Sorry. Well, and maybe no no no. You know, I didn't like her and I'm wondering if I'm letting off season stuff uh, uh you know uh cloud my 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 decision here but i i found her not very likable and you know and in a, an episode later as we'll get to i found her completely very unlikable uh and so uh i think she's kind of in the background in this episode well maybe we'll touch on her this episode but uh i wasn't a big fan of her and i and, but i remember in season six not necessarily being a fan but sort of being indifferent and you know what's so funny is i I remember thinking, oh, she has bad teeth in, in, you know, the first time. But I didn't realize she had that fake grill. Yeah. And I really saw it in HD on the runway. I'm like, oh, look at that horrible fake grill she has. Well, but either that or she's got, like, chiclets. I mean, you know, so it's, she's got to have one or the other. I'd rather see the fake teeth than those horrible little nubbins that she has. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. What's going on there? Any other, any other insight in Trinity K. Bonet? If I can speak to the, if I can, I speak beyond this episode to future episodes without getting specific. Sure. She feels like she is kind of, in some ways, the Chi Chi Devane of this season. 
to me. Okay, I could see that because I sort of get the same feeling about it's alarming about and again maybe we should save it for the next episode, but it's it's alarming how much Kimura Black and Gia Gunn are so similar. Okay, and so it, it's it's you know people are like don't compare me to that person, but it's uh yeah it's sort of crazy. Well, let's move on. Let's give a big wonk wonk to Jocelyn Fox. I'm Jocelyn Fox. I'm 26 years old. <laughs> Jocelyn Fox is all about the look and showing body. Jocelyn Fox is one foxy lady. Wah, wah. Taylor, your thoughts on Jocelyn Fox? I forgot Jocelyn Fox was in this season. <laughs> and I get her and April mixed up a little bit in that they're both kind of young, twinky, fishy queens even though they don't necessarily look a lot alike, but they just kind of mold into one person to me. Mm-hmm. You're giving this look like, what? Well, April is so fucking beautiful, hot. Oh, no, I get that's why I said not in looks, but yeah. I, I don't remember disliking Jocelyn. I just kind of remember Jocelyn just sort of being there and being... she she. I don't remember her having like any negativity. I never felt negative towards her or anything. She's just, she's okay. I was watching the Meet the Queens episode, and, and in it, she mentioned she's gunning for uh, miscongeniality, and you can feel that. But I also didn't remember thinking how like she's so stupid. Yeah, she is kind of she is kind of stupid, and the weird eyebrows is not cool. But yeah, and 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 I feel there's a lot of weird taste levels with her on this episode, and like I don't know, there's something she doesn't she seems. I feel like Tammy Brown is more aware and more kooky and plays up the camp element, but she's like Tammy Brown if Tammy Brown wasn't self-aware and didn't play up camp. Because Jocelyn's not campy. She's trying to be fishy. But um, I don't see that. I don't see that parallel at all. Tammy Brown is in her own world. That That's a whole other planet. I see what and- you mean. I, I guess what I was trying to say is that Tammy Brown also seemed to say weird, kooky shit. The way that Jocelyn does, but I feel like Tammy Brown's very self-aware that what she's saying is kooky, and that she's being kooky, and that she's being weird. Okay, yeah, I mean th- there there is a an awareness yeah. that I think Tammy Brown has. Though I think Tammy Brown Tammy Brown kind of tiptoes a line, tiptoes on both sides of that line, mm-hmm. where I think when she says things, I think she just kind of opens her mouth and things come out, and they just happen to be kind of weird. Whereas Jocelyn doesn't seem smart enough to do that mm-hmm. if that makes sense i mean she seems she seems like a nice girl but she doesn't seem like a bright girl yeah no 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 yeah they, it doesn't seem like she's the brightest bulb in mm-hmm. the bunch which speaking of actually you know who does seem very smart who <laughs> got milk she does a oh. body good girl <laughs> I'm Milk. I'm 25 years old. Milk is a club kid, a very conceptual performer. She is not one note. She is an entire symphony. Thoughts on Milk, Taylor? Milk? Milk is cute as a boy. I know you like Milk as a boy. He's okay. Um, I appreciate Milk's drag aesthetic. I am not a huge fan of Milk's drag aesthetic. But I can I can respect it and I can appreciate it, especially for those that really love milk stuff. Um, I, I, that yeah, I'll just leave it at that for now. But milk is milk is cute as a boy. Oh, he's cute as a boy. You know what's so funny that you said that is 
when I watched season six initially, I think I've grown up in terms of my drag taste. And I think when I, and it, and it is, and I feel this does come up in this season quite a bit. It's, it's funny how even it's only been three or four seasons, how much the opinion of drag aesthetic has changed, where I think fishiness was really held up on a pedestal at season six and season five. Whereas now yeah. it's not some, and not, not, it's not a bad thing, but it's not, it's not the be all and end all of what you're trying to do with drag. And, um, so I didn't get milk at first cause I was new to drag and I only got fishy. And I think that's, that's, that's sort of like the gateway drug is fishy queens mm-hmm. when you're, when you're appreciating drag. Now with hindsight and seeing all the seasons that I have and going back and watching more seasons, I really appreciate Milk's uh, drag aesthetic. I really liked it this episode. We'll see what happens. But I remember the episode. I remember the outfit she wore when she left and thinking that was even then I thought it was a genius uh, outfit. So I liked what I saw today. I even kind of liked the beard, which is so funny because they really came down on the beard. And then one season or two seasons later, they had a beard challenge. Yeah. So yes, you're right. You're right. I I did think of that. You know, there are certain. There's something else that happens this episode that I want to talk about that I think is a throwback to something that happened in a previous season. Yeah, but that, that I would agree with. That. Yeah, because they even Santino comes down, and I think even one of the guest judges comes down on milk for not looking fishy. And uh, and I, it's funny how now I, I so much appreciate milk's aesthetic even more. Uh, mm-hmm. That well, but really think about it. I mean, other than you've got. All right, so season four, the big turning point would have been Sharon. Sharon kind of pushed the envelope a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And then for season five, was there really anybody that was like outwardly out there, like gender gender fuck? Um, yeah, no, not that I can think of. I mean, you know, maybe Alaska to some degree, but she still was kind of that fishy with the big hair and, and all that kind of I stuff. I think they cast Alaska as Sharon Light. I think that was sort of the, the shadow that sort of followed her through season five. Yeah. So this is really the first time because you figure this season, season six, we have milk. And you even have to, you know, even though she wasn't around really long, but um, oh, what the hell's her name? The one, the, the Game of Thrones one. Lena Headey. With Ornatia. Oh, uh, Vivacious. Vivacious. So you have kind of where that's pushing it a little bit, even though her look was dated. But then you think about in season seven, you've got like Trixie Mattel with the crazy, you know, which is kind of Bianca blown up as far as the makeup goes. You've got Pearl with, you know, the dark hair and the the weird black thing. You've got Jasmine Masters with with like the beard. You know, you've got all of those things that are kind of exploding beyond – what was known when you look at seasons one, two, and three, where it's all nothing but fish. Yeah. No, 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 you're right. And I think this is when we're starting to see the, the hard turn here is with milk. Yeah. Um, you know, I realized we're not talking about the mini challenge shots. Even though I honestly don't remember most of the pictures for the mini shot challenge because I didn't. You know what? Like we'll, okay. So. We'll tackle at the end. I have a thought. I have one thought on the mini challenge and we'll tackle it. Yeah. We'll just do it at the end. But let's say hello to probably the most respected queen in all of Drag Race history. My name is Magnolia Crawford. I'm 28 years old, and I am Seattle's sexiest drag queen. I'm not sexy. Seattle's funniest drag queen. I'm not funny either. Um, <laughs> I view myself as the world's most glamorous trash queen. Look at that nose. Her contoured nose to death. Oh, who are you pointing at? 
Nice to meet you, Bianca. I thought she was a fucking swordfish. She could flip pages in a book. (laughs) Okay, so thoughts on Magnolia Crawford. Why? Why would we waste time on Magnolia Crawford? She's 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 somebody that I, she's forgettable. I mean, it, despite even in spite of everything else, the, the the twist with her is the only reason anybody would remember Magnolia Crawford. That and the nose that it's so ridiculous. That's I I have minimal to no thoughts other than she's kind of cute as a boy. Once again, I'll say like I think I had your opinion the first time I saw it. I had like a deep hatred for magnolia crawford and you have to understand something i'm a proponent of the idea of uh redemption and what i mean is i would love for them to have a season of queens who come back who should have gone farther like kelly mantle i would love to see okay kelly mantle you know you said you got the short end of the stick on that episode let's bring you back you know tammy brown you know uh uh, James Mansfield, maybe James Mansfield or like a. I, th- I think James Mansfield. The last two minutes that James was on that episode of season nine, mm-hmm. that was what I think that that was what they they brought her on for, and she didn't show it until then. So I would I would I would say James. For okay, that. Mimi, I'm first. Uh, Tempest du jour. Tempest du jour. I would do. I would. I, well, I wouldn't do Tempest du jour, but I would. I could say Tempest du jour. Yeah. Um, Who were the first to go in season eight? Well, how about pork chop? Pork chop. I would love to see what pork chop from season one. Yeah, I would love to see what these. You know, supposedly, even though she's very hated, supposedly Serena Chacha has grown up a lot. Remember, she was very yeah. young. Said, so okay, bitch. God, we'll I give, totally forgot about her. I would love to give you redemption. You know, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of hoping to find that same glimmer with Magnolia Crawford, mm-hmm. and I did not. I never want to see her ever again. And you know she she got so much hate for this episode. She quit drag, and she wouldn't watch the episode, and 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 doesn't do Magnolia Crawford anymore. Well, I know that she was at the reunion. I know well, she, she performed. Yeah, that. Well, she, she's contractually she contract, she contractually obligated to show to the reunion. But um, right. yeah, but she she was just so bitter and so angry, and I just liked her even less this time around. Well, and and I, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on because there's there there's some there's some uh, psychology going on there with some of the things that she said in the Untucked episode. But we can talk about that later with Untucked. Okay, sounds good. Moving on. Is this America's Next Top Model? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. My name is Courtney Ack. I'm 31 years old. I'm originally from Sydney, Australia, but now I live in West Hollywood. I guess my reputation could intimidate the other queens. I'm most famous for being a finalist on the first season of Australian Idol. All right, Courtney Act. Taylor. I have always liked Courtney Act. I, I always I liked her from the beginning of her season, uh, from, from this moment throughout. I, I think that she is beautiful as a queen. I think she's very cute as a boy. Even though she's not, I'm normally not a blonde fan, but there's something about her that I, I like. She seems funny and personable, and I I was a fan from moment one. How about you? Yeah, I thought she seemed very nice. Uh, she seemed very it, 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 I, very sunny, and and she didn't seem fake. And and as we know in a later and later episodes, they're going to do that fake weird drama where she supposedly she was mean to Jocelyn, which we all find out was not true, and we'll get more into mm-hmm. that then. 
But uh, she seemed completely pleasant and nice. I had no problem with her. Good. The end. But unfortunately, that's all I have to say about her. Yeah, there, there's not a lot to say. I mean, she kind of, her, her work sort of speaks for itself. That's kind of the thing with Courtney Act. There's just not a lot to say. And that's good. She does the job, but there's not really, she's not, you don't have a lot to say about her. Yeah. You know who you do have a lot to say about? They better widen the doorways and reinforce the runway, honey, because the big girl's in the house. I'm Darian Lake. I'm 24 years old. And I'm a compulsive liar. I was picked fan favorite on the online Facebook contest. Some of the queens are pretty. I'm prettier. Some of them are funny. I'm funnier. And some of them are big, but I'm bigger. Taylor, your thoughts on Darian Lake? Darian Lake is one of those performers that I bounce back and forth on. There's, really? There's things... There's No, I don't. I shut up. There's things that I like about Darian. Um... And there's times I remember on the show where she's just comes off as just a bully and just kind of a bitch. And I, I don't like that. That's the part of Darian that I don't like, but I feel like there are moments for her. She's really kind of the biggest girl that's ever gotten as far as she has in the series. So I appreciate that. Um, I think that when she is done up in drag, there are times that she is beautiful I think there's other times that she wears things that are not flattering at all, which I'm sure we'll talk about that in the runway looks that uh, she's somebody that I want to like her more, but then she will occasionally say something that I kind of go, Oh, never mind. You're, you're not, you're not somebody that you're not somebody that I would want to see live because of the way that you're acting right now. I mean, I guess we'll address that when we get to later episodes. And I think I want to save my opinion on what you said for later episodes. In this episode, I really, really like her. There's a lot to be said. I know what you're talking about. There's a lot to, I, you know, there's stuff I saw. Because, you know, we're doing season six. I was at that, the season six finale is the first finale I went to. Yeah. So there were things that I saw there. And so we will obviously talk about it when we talk about that episode. But uh, what I was going to say is, you know, with Darian, I actually really found her very likable this episode, and very charming, and I was very amused by her. And yeah, she's her character takes a turn for the worse uh, later on in the season. But you know, taking it this episode, I'm a fan. I thought she was very amusing. I was a big fan that she was friendly and she pulled it off. You're right. There are issues with her runway looks, and we'll discuss it when we get there. But um, I liked it. Okay. All right. Uh, after the girls were finished, RuPaul entered the workroom to announce the winner. Of the photo shoot challenge, it was Trinity K. Bonet. Now, I want to talk about that right now. I thought it was so fucking clear that Courtney Act won the photo shoot challenge. I would kind of agree with that from what I remember of the photos. Yeah, I felt Courtney Act just pulled it fucking off. And Trinity K. Bonet's was better than the average one. But I, I, I think they just wanted to give it to Trinity because for whatever storyline reason. Because to me, it was there was no contest. Yeah. Courtney Act looked incredible. You want to call her Courtney Love, but Courtney looked incredible. That, that's the only thought. That would have been a completely different picture. Hey, everyone, it's me. It is, it is America's next top model. Sorry. <laughs> next, RuPaul explained this week's main stage challenge. For this week's main challenge, you need to create your best life of the party high fashion couture. Hashtag party like a drag queen using only the leftovers from one of these party packs. There's Toga Party, Luau Party, Princess Party, Quintanera, 
St. Patrick's Day Party, Republican Party, and my favorite, Ho Down. Trinity, you won the mini challenge, so you get to pick yours first and then re-gift the others. I want the princess party. Now, which box have you chosen for Darien Lake? St. Patrick's. St. Patrick's Day party. What about Jocelyn Fox? Quinceanera. Quinceanera for Jocelyn Fox. Yay! Magnolia Crawford. Hold on. <laughs> All right. What about Courtney Act? Republican. That seems fair and balanced. For Bianca Del Rio, Luau. Hope I get laid. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that Melp gets the toga party. Okay, so we're going to get to the to the looks in a very short uh, bit here, Taylor. But what I want to do right now is I want to talk about one of the big um, storylines from this episode, and it's Magnolia Crawford. In the workroom, Magnolia Crawford was not happy about the contents of her box. Okay. Hey. That's ugly. Oh, my God. This is... Awful. I got a bunch of shit. It has nothing to do with my style. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's ugly. Later during RuPaul's table visit, Magnolia had no problem explaining her displeasure with the assignment. Magnolia Crawford. Hi, Ru. How you doing? I'm feeling really, real honky-tonky, ready for a hoedown. That's the party box you got, is the, the hoedown. That's the box I got. What was in there? Hideous fabric. Really? I got a big old sheet of denim. Oh, denim is good. We like denim. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it screams high fashion. There's this brown, which looks like shit. What is Magnolia Crawford's style? I think of myself as a glamorous trash queen. Uh-huh. Things that are so ugly, they're pretty. Well, listen, this challenge could be right up your alley. Turn it out, Magnolia Crawford. Thank you. Okay. Taylor, Magnolia Crawford. Well... I, I'm glad that she left so early so that we didn't have a whole season of Magnolia Crawford. So, because we, we recently um, watched an episode of another season for a, another Patreon member that involved season five. And I had to hear Ivy Winters 85 times in that one episode. and thought, oh, God, I forgot how much I hated that. Um, I, RuPaul is absolutely right. I mean, if you're calling yourself a trash queen, a glamorous trash queen, somebody with true creativity could have taken denim and what was probably like a fake leather and stuff like that and really turned it out. Thinking about season nine, when Sasha Velour made like a cowboy outfit using like a handkerchief material and stuff, that's an example of somebody doing high fashion yet doing the camp, kind of doing the trashy with the perceptions of what, you know, cowgirls would wear versus high glamour queens. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's we were so focused on that we didn't get what we want and or other reasons that we were on the show that we didn't think it through. And obviously that was abundantly clear with her runaway look and critiques and an eventual elimination. Um, yeah, I found her super, super unlikable. I found her incredibly unlikable 
And, like, yeah, you call yourself a trash queen and then, then fucking make it work, bitch. Make it work. Yeah, because the final look, you can't tell me there wasn't other things in there that you could have done to have really turned that out. You know, the fact that she used pretty much one piece of fabric to make the cow dress when she had denim and she had this brown that, you know, even if it's like you take brown and you make you, you cut out little squares and put little patches with, you know, a big, thick, you know, a big, thick uh, sewing yeah. on it. Hem, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I like the way fashion looks. I don't know anything about the technical terms. Um, she could have she could have done so much. Well, don't you think? I mean, let, let's actually think this out. We don't know fashion, but she's clearly going for like a Rue McClanahan look. Like, what would Rue McClanahan wear? Would you agree? Where do you get Rue McClanahan? Just sort of the '80s Golden Girls aesthetic. You don't get that from Magnolia Crawford's look. You mean the the the, look, the runway look? No, 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 no. Just her her general overall aesthetic. Oh yeah, she she wants to she wants to be one of those old southern yeah. ladies. So my so, question is is like, what would a Rue McClanahan do with that box? Well, okay. When I think of Rue McClanahan, I I think of Blanche Devereaux. Yeah. So I'm picturing something that's some sort of pantsuit type outfit with the jacket and you could she could have done the jacket where it could have been the cow print mm-hmm. or even that might have been too much but to do something underneath the underneath the jacket that would have been a would have been the cow print and then something with the denim mm-hmm. you know so, so there, there's got to be i mean i think santino says something about putting adding a cowbell or something silly yeah to it to sh- to, to to show the gla- show the comedy show the camp Yet still be glamorous. We've seen that with other queens. I, I, this just tells me that she is somebody that is of lesser stock, and can't think, can't think beyond the fact that she got something that she doesn't like, and then to be so open, to be so openly blatant and ugly on the first episode, the first time you meet RuPaul, like it's sort of one of those where I think she thought like RuPaul will go, oh, okay, well let's just change all the boxes so that Magnolia can get what she wants. Fuck you. You get what you want. Or that, you get what you get. Yeah, or that RuPaul would say, like, oh, well, she had a bad box, so you're going to get a pass. Like, yeah. And also openly saying, you know, I'm only doing this for exposure, which is so funny because that's what the queens do now. Like, Magnolia was actually ahead of her time. But to say it, to vocalize it, super weird. So, uh, so why don't we just do Untucked right now, Taylor? Are you, are you cool with that? Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump ahead a okay. little bit. So what we're, what Taylor and I are going to do... Oh, it's kind of hard because of the mixing weirdness. Um, well, we'll, well, we can just play it, and then we can talk about it afterwards. Okay, then you tell me... I'm going to look at you while we do this. You tell, you want me to stop at any point? We'll okay. stop in, like, little segments. You know, because they, the thing about Untuck, which is kind of good, is they, is they go, like... They have those long breaks in between, like, Well, then I just ate a carrot. Bum, ba-da-ba-da-ba-dum, ba-da-ba-da-ba. So we can just stop it in those, like, weird breaks. Right. Okay. All right, here we go. Magnolia out the way. Let's just... get me out of the way. <laughs> yeah, well, go now, Magnolia. Out no, of the really, way. let's get you out of the way. <laughs> wow. So that was a good one. What Michelle said about my nose. It's a little on the thin side, I'll be honest. Did you buff it out? You know, uh, <laughs> it looks a little less dark. Well, I'll be honest. Good. Like, when I contour my nose, like, I want it to look so stupidly skinny that you can snap it like a toothpick. Can I ask you this? Why didn't you say that to them when you were on stage? Because that seems like a logical answer, instead of that other shit you were saying. My eyes honed right in on that nose contour. 
It is so dark, girl. Like charcoal briquette. Just be aware of that. My face, my hair, my shoes, my accessories together with the black and white. Pull it all together. Okay, let's stop right there. What? Okay. Well, it makes no it sense. It makes no sense. One. Two is, I mean, again, going back to the thing that we noticed, you know, on a second viewing is now watching it in true HD and knowing what it is, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's horrible. It's, it's, it's absolutely horrible. And it's horrible. like black. Her nose is like, it's not even like a thin contour. It's like black. It's like she... It's dirt. It looks like dirty. She looks like it looks like she had dirt on her hands and like rub, like went to rub under her eyes and smeared dirt on on the sides. And of her I nose. want the audience to know I am not good at spotting this. Okay, so it's not like sometimes they say things on the runway about their makeup or about um, uh, uh, the clothes. And I'm like, I guess they're right. I can't. I don't. I can't tell. You know, particularly when they, mm-hmm. when they talk about like shading and shadows and stuff like that. But this one, like you, a blind person could tell. That her nose is black and weirdly super, super skinny and bizarre. And I think that Michelle's comment about that I honed in right on that nose and her ridiculous excuse, that is that is the answer that somebody, whether she had the other answer planned, that's the answer of somebody that was caught off guard. And is immediately doing the, well, I am, uh, and it matches with the, because everything's black, and I don't, don't uh, with that. That's, that is what that is. But what, that, that, that's the only possible Excuse for why she would say what's that. What's weird, though, is clearly, I mean, it's so thin and so black. It is some sort of choice she's making. This is not accidentally doing this, you know? Right. So my question is, why didn't she say that on the runway? Well, and and that is one of the things that I like about, as much as we talked about how we don't like Bianca early on in the season... Bianca has a way, and she does this in Untucked a couple of times where she has conversations with people where it's not Bianca asking, it's Roy who happens to be dressed as Bianca. Mm-hmm. Like there is a there is a level of maturity in asking some of the queens some of the questions to get a response out of them that you wouldn't see with a Gia gun or a door or something like that. Because rather than say, make a comment like, well, why didn't you just say that? That that made more sense. You would have gotten the girl. You should have said that and turned it out. You know, it's it's that I appreciate that as somebody who asks people questions for a living. I appreciated watching Bianca ask that question point blank and just say, "Why didn't you say that?" Then it doesn't make any sense. All right, let's let's move on here. Okay, you were digging deeper. You were baby Jessica. You were in that fucking well, and there was no way out. When I look at this dress, I feel like hoedown meets high school prom in 1993. This is RuPaul's Drag Race season six. Learn how to effing sew. And I fell for you because I'm going, shut up, shut up. I agree with him, though. Honestly, you really should know how to sew coming here. You don't sew at all. You hot glued that whole dress. I'm not ashamed of my craftsmanship. Right, but should somebody get more credit for being like, oh, I don't sew and I have a great outfit. I'm just lucky. Girl, shut the fuck up. I'm not stupid. The thing is that if they try, 
And if you go into it and you try and you have the outlook of going, I tried, this is what I was given, this is what I made with it, and not be defensive, I think you would have had a better chance. It, it did come across yeah. very yeah. forceful. <laughs> it's that point where you have to just look at it for what it is. You know, they said I'm wearing too much makeup. All right. They're liars. No, Are you wearing but, any makeup? But once I decide to put myself in this situation, I have to adapt. So I did something See, I don't different. think you should have to adapt. No, because, but I think... Because they want to see you. I'm not going to adapt because I am here for me. Thoughts on that so far, Taylor? By the way, for the audience to know... Um, there are certain parts where they go back and forth, and I'm sorry. I, I'll try to be better now in, in saying like, okay, they went back to the main stage, and and now they're back in the in the uh, in the, uh, on yeah. But but they were going back and forth there a couple of times. Uh, any thoughts on that, Taylor? I think that everything is valid. Everything that Bianca is saying, everybody that all the queens for the most part are saying is valid, including to a degree Magnolia here. And that when she said, you know, I'm going to adapt and Magnolia said, well, why they want to see you. They don't want to see. I th- I think ad- adapt adaptation and growth are two different things, uh, you know, because you don't want it to be where when you think about all of the winners, the winners all don't really necessarily look alike, at least not as the seasons go later on. Because it's easy to kind of fall into that trap of, well, they don't, they, I'm saying, they're saying I'm wearing too much makeup, but then you end up looking like everybody else versus Bianca that kind of has that clown thing going on and embraced it, but maybe took some of their notes as far as to soften it a little bit while still keeping the the clown part. So I can see kind of Magnolia's point on that, on that one statement, but the rest of it is just horseshit. But it's it's when Darian says the thing about you know yeah, how can you be on the show and not so or whatever it is that she says, uh, she's right, she's right. And then and then for D- uh, Magnoia to do say, well, do you think I'm stupid? Well, right now we all kind of do. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, she's coming off really really ugly, and uh, not only with her nose but just her personality. Like there's nothing likable about her. Uh, yeah, and, and that's that's you know she, she you know she went on here to get exposure. Now this is this we're in the early days of actual RuPaul's Drag Race having an influence on 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 a, on a bigger scale, uh, and this this season actually itself takes it to a whole other level after this season. This is a big tipping point for the show, but she is not presenting herself as very likable here, and that's an, that's an important part of, of your fame on this show. Let's let's move on. Girls who are willing to adapt with the competition are boring and have no spine. I'm not here for the money. I'm not here for the grand prize. I'm not here to challenge myself. I'm not here for the competition. None of that. To be honest, I'm only here for exposure. So they're all shocked here. Mm Mm-hmm. And but but what's honestly though at this time you still went on the show for the money, maybe for a little exposure, but it, that wasn't the main thing. And it's funny now how really the exposure is the main thing. Well, because now as it's gotten bigger and you do these tours, you know I'm going to see I'm going to see at least five or six of them in September when they come here for Battle for the Catwalk. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's it's sort of like when the early days of American Idol, so long you made it to the top 10, you got to go on tour, you got to go on the American Idol tour. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this is kind of now for queens, that so long you, you're not perceived as a filler queen early on, 
you you there is money to be made there and there is you do get the the exposure without necessarily all of the stuff that goes along with the contract that the winner has to sign as far as appearances and stuff so uh, but th- at this stage in the game that wasn't necessarily recognized yet it was still yeah. but she's calling you're, it out. you're there for the crown so ev- when yeah. you hear all the awkward silence guys it's everyone's going like what you're only here for the exposure and it's like that's like a common thing i mean that's that's the thing now, you know? Let's yeah. move on. When you finally do get exposed, you better have something to show. She's stupid. Save one of these chicks the energy of lip-syncing for your life and just ask to go home. Because first and foremost, that's $100,000. No matter how much you don't want to be here, it's nothing wrong with trying. That's Hold on. No, that's one. That's one. You want the exposure to do what? To travel and be an entertainer? I want the exposure for my ego. about this much depth in me i want to walk down the street and someone to be like oh i know who that is well she made a fool of herself but hey at least i'll know i made an impression (laughs) i just think that you need to keep in mind all of the hundreds of drag queens who would give their left tit to be on this show but i only feel the only reason why i feel this is being discussed is because there's a huge possibility that you're on the bottom too it will come across slightly harsh and awkward to other people. I mean, I know Queen's Audition every fucking season. It's not what you say, it's how you said it. You could have easily said, I just came here so I can brand my name Mm -hmm. and put myself out there as an entertainer and as a person and let America see who I am and what I stand for. That could have been said instead of saying, I just wanted to fucking be here for fucking exposure. I mean, like, that's just... But that's honestly how I feel. Security! Get this bitch out of here. And also just showing some humanity with it. I mean, you want to be a cold bitch? Be a cold bitch. But that's a tough fucking job. I do it on stage. I can't do it in real life. If you're that committed to that, I think it's lovely because somebody has to go home. And you know what? If it's you, I'll help you pack, bitch. (laughs) Well... Mental illness runs rampant in the drag community, unfortunately. And this would be an example of a narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah, that's my question. What's your psychological take on uh, Miss Magnolia Crawford? I mean, you know, I mean, really, th- that is a classic that any attention is good attention. And yeah, though we didn't, we obviously didn't think this through if we retired from drag almost immediately after. But you. You know, when, when you're not doing it to get bookings, when you're not doing it for anything other than you want somebody occasionally to walk down the street and go, wow, that's Magnolia Crawford on a show that was on Logo that maybe had 100,000 viewers at the time. It, it just it's just it it boggles the mind. I have clients that I work with that are like mm-hmm. this, that they are, it's just about being seen and being pretty and it doesn't matter what they have to do to get that to be looked at so long people are looking at them and they get themselves in like some shit situations and i'm like why are you doing this i i help me to understand why you're doing this and they just kind of do that i don't know like they were really nice to me and they just you know so we're that starved for attention that we're going to do something that it, it, it it boggles the mind it absolutely boggles the mind you know, I, I will say, though, that it was I thought it was when well, we talked about this before, we talked about it being really kind of Magnolia versus Bianca. And I was 
pleasantly surprised to see like Trinity kind of standing up for queens that have been on the show and you know or want to be on the show and Jocelyn saying things and that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it but the fact that she was very well that's just the way I feel. I can appreciate that to some level, but there is also you you kind of keep your mouth shut with shit like that. What do you think? I don't know enough to say whether she has a narcissistic personality disorder. I'm not okay, a, I'm and not I, a and licensed I, therapist. Right. And I and I also have never met Magnolia Crawford. I have never done an actual assessment, but statements like that tell me that I would not be surprised if she ever chose to work with a therapist that in her chart a a clinician has not written an access to diagnosis. I uh was shocked that she was only doing it for the exposure just for people walking down the street. I thought it was like to get more YouTube views or yeah. people going to her shows or, or something. But no, it's just so that for her own ego. That's sort of weird. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But but that but that is also somebody that is not thinking clearly. You know, when you consider at this point Granted, it wasn't season six is season six is really kind of like we talked about the corner that changes as far as seeing client, seeing clients, seeing queens out and seeing competitors and all that kind of stuff. So before then, you were starting to see, though, that some of the queens were getting more bookings. They were doing, you know, they were touring nationally. You know, this was about the time that I think that I saw Latrice Royale at one of the local bars you know, so you're starting to see that. So to not recognize that, yes, you want it for your ego, but rather than one person on the street to see you, to have a, a bar full of people possibly screaming your name, to, to be that short-sighted in that is just stupid. It's stupid. It's not thinking clearly. It's the, it's the thoughts of somebody that is not well in the head. No, she's not well in the head at all. And that's why... Uh, she. I'm glad she's gone. But it's funny because usually someone not well in the head, like she's not even like. It's not even like oh, you like love to hate her. It's not like she's a great villain. She's just annoying and whiny. Yeah. And so, uh, it's 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 a problem. Let's move on. Actually, it's elimination day, and the girls are getting ready for their first runway looks. Courtney talks about uh, how famous she is back in Australia. Everyone whispers about how busy Jocelyn's look is. Well, Milk and Bianca have a conversation about Milk's planned runway look. Thinking about wearing facial hair. Okay. A beard. Really, Queen? I mean, I'll do anything to make myself look different. Okay. Hope you're packed. Ha ha ha. Nice knowing you. Your thoughts on Milk's decision to wear a beard in that conversation, Taylor? Well, it speaks very much to Milk, who Milk is. I mean, we'll see we'll see some other choices that she makes on the runway later on that are very daring, especially for that time, um, for for that season. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I didn't hate it per se, but I think it was clear some of the the judges hated it. Um, or didn't appreciate it as much as I think they would come to later on as the idea of drag or or the show's perception of drag expands beyond just fish. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, I didn't, I didn't hate it, and we'll, and we'll get more into that when we get into the look. In fact, this might be a good transition into the looks. Yay! Taylor's favorite part and Joe's least favorite part. <laughs> this is where uh, Joe shuts down. 
Um, okay. Do you want to take over, Taylor? Okay. So first up, we have Trinity K. Bonet as a princess, and she is wearing a lo- floor-length silver dress with almost a kabuki queen Amidala-style face and a piece of cardboard around her neck. So, Joe, what are your thoughts? Do you boot or toot this? You know, I'm going to give it a, a, a cautious toot. I actually think they were right. If she would just remove the cardboard collar, it would have been phenomenal. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think a cautious, I think a cautious toot. Yeah, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. Uh, it, it, it's a toot. It's, it's a cautious toot. Her makeup's fantastic. She looks great. Toot. Okay, yeah, and I I like the things at the elbows where she took some sort of lanterns or something and put those and made those as an elbow thing. I that that that's a that's an accentuation to detail that attention to detail that I appreciate. Okay, next up is Bianca Del Rio in her luau outfit. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, a, a really strong toot. Uh, I mm-hmm. felt she met the challenge. Uh, I mean, it, it's clearly a luau look. She has the coconut. She has the glasses. She has the thing in the hair. It all works. Um, you know what? They came down on her for her makeup, but I, I think, and I, I think in later challenges we will see that's probably warranted. But I think on this one for a luau, I don't think that strong of a makeup is is uncalled for. Well, and I think they also didn't know what to make of her just yet. As far as this, she's really kind of the first clown, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, one thing though, I'm glad that you appreciate the makeup because one thing that I loved about her makeup was the neon yellow green eyeshadow, which is something that we don't normally see with her. I always, when I picture Bianca in my head, I always picture really dark eyeshadow, but I loved the, I loved the work that she did with contouring and the, and the, um, gradient. I thought it was really great. So this, this is, this is my favorite look of the night. Um, and I definitely give this a toot. Okay, next up, we have Darian Lake in the St. Patrick's Day look. Joe, what are your thoughts on Darian? (sighs) I have complicated thoughts because, first of all, it looks like something you would get at Lane Bryant. You know, one. Yes. Two, I know that I think they were trying to be nice, but I just feel if you have those kinds of legs, you don't wear that kind of skirt. Oh my god, it's like you're pulling thoughts out of my head. Okay, yes. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having that leg. And in fact, in other outfits that we've seen Darian wear, she looks fantastic. But it's, she wants, I mean, it's like, you could you could hear the thighs rubbing together as she was walking down the runway. And it was just a, yeah. not a flattering, the top's not so bad, but the bottom is just not flattering at all. I'm going to give it a boot. I I would, oh, that's tough though, because I think that, she looks beautiful from the chest You're up. Right. I, I agree. Say. I think her hair, the dark hair with the I think she had green eyes, um, green contacts in. She she looked gorgeous. Um and I like the top. I agree it's a very Lane Bryant Charlotte Russe type type top. Um the bottom is a big mess and th- those the legs there's so much else she could have done with those legs to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative so i i would have to say i would have to say a, a boot but a lowercase b boot all right with that okay okay so magnolia crawford i feel like we have talked this one to death wait but- taylor why does it say magnolia croft because i was taking pictures live 
well, not live because this was four years ago, but as I was just standing with my camera taking pictures oh, of the screen. Okay. So, um, I, I, I would say a boot for this. I feel like we've we've given Magnolia enough time. But you can at but, least describe. I don't think we described for the audience what she wore. It's a cow dress. It's a cow. It's a piece of cow fabric that she wrapped around her and glued behind her with a big bow on the ass and red shoes. And she's got crazy blonde hair that's just teased out and not even teased out really well. And she smeared dirt on her face and called it makeup. Yeah, I felt like even the shit you saw in that, like, Taylor, she could have made a denim skirt and a gingham top. Yeah. And that would have, like, not even just, like, a de- imagine a shitty denim skirt and just, like, a like a, 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 a gingham tube top, right? Mm-hmm. And been fine. Yeah, no, I agree. Because that nose agree. contour would have still been a problem, but yeah, at least it would have. It was that that was awful. It was awful, awful, yeah. awful, awful. Who's next, Taylor? Next up is Jocelyn Fox as a quinceanera. She is wearing a every color of the rainbow, and uh, she has a bustle on the back and lots of streamers. She has it looks like a bouquet made of I, I looks like either paper flowers or plastic flowers. I'm not sure. Um, what are your thoughts on this look? Well, I, I mean, I, I've actually, believe it or not, as Mexicanized as I am, I'm not that Mexican. I'm very Americanized. Uh, you know, my mom lost two uncles in World War II kind of Mexican. Like, we've been here for generations. I've actually never been to a quinceanera. Mm-hmm. But just seeing the colors expressed there, they don't seem very, they seem very Brazil. Which maybe Brazil does quinceaneras, but it doesn't seem very Mexico to me. Like, that's not something you would yeah. see Valentina wear. It's. Uh, I always picture for quinceaneras. I always thought white. Yeah, they were like basically like wedding dresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. They, they should have just called it, you know, um, carnival or something. But uh, it's it's a little much. It's a little over the top. But I think as we learn throughout the season, Jocelyn has editing problems. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, it's a little, she keeps, I think in the Untucked episode, Courtney says, when in doubt, add more. Like, that's kind of how she does yeah. everything. I thought J. Uh, Lee had the same problem. Yeah. Oh, God, J. Jolie. I forgot about J. Jolie. Um, she did porn. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Um, yeah. I would give this a boot. <laughs> oh god no no um i i would give this a boot but i do love the colors i love those bright colors like that but the, the look is just it's it's a little much so next we have courtney act as the republican party she's in a bikini with a sarong with a big starfish in the front nothing says republican party like that outfit yeah and and uh, okay do you have a problem with the fact that it's supposed to be a republican party but everything is blue yeah this is this is I think I remember thinking she should have been clocked more than she was. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that being said, the whole kind of wet hair over the one eye look, super sexy. Super sexy. But the look itself is very bland and boring, and anybody could have put that together. And that's why I am giving it a boot. Yeah, I feel like Republican Party, you're going to dress like... Uh, Elizabeth Dole. You're going to go very conservative. And I think this... Well, maybe Elizabeth Dole wears outfits like that. You know, you don't but know. But Sarah Palin was out by this point because it's weird to think that Obama ran for the office the first time before the show premiered. But um, Sarah Palin had been around. I, I think you go a Sarah Palin look. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you're also looking at how much time they had to put together mm-hmm. an outfit. So, and we don't know what level to which Courtney actually sews. Yeah. So to come up with a Sarah Palin, like a pantsuit or a business suit could have been a lot, but I'm giving her a she br- could have taken some of, okay. She could have given, she could have taken some of Magnolia's denim and made jeans and like a little top and then walked around with a fake gun, like Sarah Palin or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. And last up is milk with the toga party with the infamous beard and long, uh, flowy pants with a sheer top. And I don't know if she's supposed to be topless under or if there's supposed to be some sort of... It looks like there's a bra. Okay. And uh, a lily pad on top of her head, which I didn't quite get, but... I don't... Uh, Okay, look. I'm for the beard if you can tell me why it's supposed to be there, but why is it supposed to be there? I think it's just her way of looking beyond what is expected for a toga party. Because think about it. You have, a, you have a drag queen doing toga party. What is she going to do? She's going to take some sort of sheet and kind of lace it over and then put some sort of gold jewelry on to kind of give it that Greek look. She took this and made this a very milk outfit. And for that, I appreciate it. It's just not my aesthetic. But I'll, I'll give it a toot. I'm giving it a toot as well. Okay. And that is the looks for this week. Yay. Uh, okay, during the judges' critiques, Magnolia and Darian were read for their looks and were placed in the bottom two. During the lip-sync battle, the two went head-to-head on Turn the Beat Around by Vicky Sue Robinson. Magnolia chose to be funny, I guess, operative, I don't know if that's how funny she was, rather than know the words, and that earned her a role, that earned, I'm sorry, and that earned her a one-way ticket home. Back in the workroom, she had a farewell message. It's a shame they didn't get to love me as much as I love me. Yeah, I might have come across a little abrasive. The thing is, all publicity is good publicity. So I'm going to take it and run with it. Peace the fuck out. Famous last words. After Magnolia's elimination, the remaining girls walked back into the workroom to find a chilling surprise. Oh, fuck. The six other bitches like two prides of lions meeting each other on the Serengeti. This is like the Outsiders. I'm from Azusa, okay? I know how street fights get down. They're all trying a little too hard for my tastes, especially that Kamora Lee Kardashian. I don't like them. Don't like them. Taylor, any final thoughts on the episode? Well, okay, the one thing that I thought of was, you know how sometimes they do where somebody will wear, you know, the beard, and then they have a thing that's all about beards the next mm-hmm. season. Or there were uh, there have been other things. The, the Madonna thing was screwed up the first time, so they did Night of a Thousand Madonnas the second sure. time. I almost wonder if this idea of doing things about party, they never use the phrase party city. But I almost wonder if this is a callback oh, to season four's this is your party go back city. to party city oh, where you belong. Oh, interesting, interesting. So that was my one thought. My second thought is you and I have watched three episodes of this season so far. We're only talking about episode two. We're going to be talking about episode three later. I don't know if it's something with the iTunes, with the iTunes copies that I have or something, but on all three of them, at least one of the contestants does not seem to know the words to the song. Like, where they're pretty much just saying watermelon, 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 watermelon all the time to look like they are know the words. Yeah, um, but I felt like that was a problem, too, with la- on season nine, which is when you and I recorded this after season nine aired. 
And I I think there must be some sort of like audio syncing up or something like that, or editors do something to make them look worse than they are. But in this case, Magnolia clearly didn't know the words. Yeah, no, that that's obvious. But I mean, when you think about on season five, when Coco Montrese did Cold Hearted Snake and the whole like little rap thing in the middle, and she sort of pointed at her mouth to say, look, I know all of the words to this. You would think at this point there would be a higher standard for knowing how to lip sync and knowing knowing your words. I I, I just well, I guess the answer is if we know. watch the Coco Montrese episode because we know she matched in real life. So if it if it doesn't yeah. match on the iTunes, then we know it's an iTunes thing. If it if it does match, then we know it's these people don't know the fucking words. Well, because it seems like one of them always seems to you know in this episode, Darian seemed to know most of the words would occasionally slip up. I I don't know. I almost wonder if it's an HD thing. This is the first season in HD, right? No, season four is the first season in HD. Oh, okay. So they've been in HD well, for a while. Okay. Um, any other thoughts? Tato the Latte Boy. No, how about you? Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, I don't think so. Let me see if there's anything in my crazy notes. Um. No, I think I'm good. Okay, all right, we're good. All right, so now you can't find the page. I, that gets part gets edited out, so I sound cool. It does not. It does not. Well, that concludes this first episode. No, it doesn't. I put first episode. That okay? Why well, I copied <laughs> the conclusion. Please keep all this in. Please keep all this. Well, in. that concludes this episode of RuPaul's Drag Race recap. Join us next week and every week as we dissect, discuss, and deconstruct every episode in this very special season of RuPaul's Drag Race recap. So, for Tato the Latte Boy and myself. Sashay away until next week. RuPaul's Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast. To learn more about Afterthought Media, visit afterthought.media. To support us on Patreon and to gain access to our other shows, please visit us at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. For a small monthly fee, you gain access to hours of bonus content weekly, frequent live shows, and access to our extensive back catalog. To contact the show, email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at dragracerecap, and follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap. You can find Taylor the Latte Boy on his other podcast called Pod Is My Copilot, available at podismycopilot.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow Taylor on Twitter at PIMC Taylor and on Instagram at PIMC Taylor. Joe Batanz is the host of many other podcasts, and you can find those podcasts at afterthought.media or at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. You can follow Joe Batanz on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batanz, that's J-O-E-B-E-T-A-N-C-E. This episode was recorded in the summer or fall of 2017 and originally released on Patreon.